center and coming in is Loom. Millendike centered it. Flames Talk with Pat Steinberg and Aaron Vickers on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, welcome to this hour of the program. Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts. This hour of Flames Talks, the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Ask how a restricted key system can keep your business safe even through employee turnover. Visit CalgaryLockandSafe.com. Well, it's Steinberg and Vickers. Aaron Vickers of FC Hockey. You'll be hearing that uh, name a lot in the next uh, week or so. Uh, hi, Vix. Probably more than you care to, let's no, be honest. I, not enough, if you ask me. What's going on? We, we got a little bit to dive into this hour, hey? Just trying to catch my breath a little bit, maybe get some water, rehydrate, because there is no shortage whatsoever of things to talk about. Calgary Flamesland is buzzing right now. So the word rebuild in this market has many times been treated like a four-letter word. Um, yes, it's seven letters, but it's been treated like a... Which one? Uh, one of the ones that we can't use on radio. I won't, oh, even, okay. I won't even go into what they might start with, but one of the ones that we can't use on a family-friendly podcast. But is it a word that we should be talking about more here? Should we start throwing into the lexicon the word rebuild when we start to talk about the future of this Calgary Flames team, the immediate future of this Calgary Flames team? And we can use other words, reshape, retool, reload. For me, it's all semantics. Refurbish. Ooh, um, that's a new one. I'm trying to think what other words we could use. Uh, reorganize? Yeah, reorganize. They already did that a little bit to the front office this summer. There's been a lot or of reorganizing spring. already, yep. But seriously... For the sake of this conversation, they're all the same thing. In that, okay, the Flames are, I do not believe the Flames are going to completely tear it down. I don't believe they're going to go scorched earth on this thing and, you know, do Chicago or something like that. I I do not believe that we're going to be talking about that. However, with all the uncertainty swirling around core players on this team, namely Elias Lindholm, Noah Hannafin, Tyler Toffoli, and Michael Backlund, they are going to, I think, be forced to. And I think our understanding of the fact that they are not going to be able to do everything this summer in the win-now category. And I believe they're prepared to make futures-type deals. I believe if they uh, are forced into trading all of these guys, a good chunk of these guys, some of these guys, yeah, I they pulled a rabbit out of a hat when they made, whether you love the deal or not, the Matthew Kachuk deal 11 months ago is not a typical NHL deal. Usually, that trade doesn't look like that, but it looked like that. They, based on the circumstances in Florida, based on a new uh, a new regime in Florida, based on what Florida believed they needed, based on what the edict was from the Flames, the deal got made with Jonathan Huberdeau and Mackenzie Weger being the primary pieces of a trade sending Matthew Kachuk the other way. Those are not typical NHL deals. You know, like how often do we see those type of blockbuster hockey trades? You know, you had Subban for Weber a decade ago, and you, you don't usually see that type of money and those type of caliber players changing hands in the same deal. It just happens so rarely. 
And so if the Flames are moving a 28, 29-year-old Lindholm or a 31-year-old Toffoli or a 26, soon-to-be 27-year-old uh, Noah Hannafin, we're probably talking about deals that are more of the future type variety. And the fact that the belief is the Flames are willing to go down that road, I think is really, really important and and needs to be something we're prepared for. So if they don't want to use the word rebuild, or if you don't want to use the word rebuild, we can call it whatever you want. An organizational pivot, a shift in direction, uh, a re reload on the fly, whatever the hell you want to call it. That's what we're talking about. And I do think that we need to maybe start preparing ourselves for the fact that this team, after going to round two in a battle of Alberta a year ago, and this past season, having expectations internally and externally to be a contending team and falling short, I just, I think that there is a very real possibility that we're talking about a team that competitiveness-wise takes a slight step back for a little bit to get better for the future and to give time for potential first-round picks or prospects or younger NHLers to be integrated into higher leverage roles in the organization. Sorry, I flinched there because you used the word slight, and I don't. I think that's underselling it. I don't know if I'm hyperbolating. I think it... Let's run through the inventory here of assets that okay, you might move. Okay, and big step back, yes, or a step back. But I'm gonna I'm gonna do the pitch, and you either nod or give me an audible yes or no. But the inventory contains the following: your number one center in Elias Lindholm, that's a nod. Your leading scorer from a season ago in Tyler Toffoli, that's a nod. A top pairing defenseman in Noah Hannafin, and how in saying that, I think he's Calgary's third best defenseman. But minute wise, he was Calgary's second most active defender. I think it's fair to say that Hannafin slots into a top pair on some NHL teams and one of the top two pairs. He's a top four defenseman on 32 NHL teams in this league. Okay. And he's 26 years old. And then you've got one of the best number three centers in the NHL in Michael Backlund. And I'm willing to also, because if we're talking about this, we might as well take it one step further. And there's no news today on this individual, but Chris Tanev is one of those seven pending unrestricted free agents next summer. Yes. Makes sense to maybe look at him. And he's your best pure defensive defenseman, I would say. So you take those five guys out of your lineup. There isn't five hockey trades to be made this summer for the Calgary Flames to go about your business in these deals. So yes, some of these deals, maybe there's one, maybe there's two. I would hesitate to guess that there's going to be three. So some of these deals are going to have to be future-oriented trades. Now, whether or not you want to collect those future assets and flip them at some point for more NHL-ready help, that's another conversation that we can have. But you're not going to make four trades this summer that are of the Matthew Kachuk for Mackenzie Weger and Jonathan Hubert O'Brien. or variety, yeah. And I can see, I can see tra- that, that trade was so unique, as you mentioned. It was the first NHL side and trade. First one. It was also it was also the most dollars that have ever changed hands in an NHL deal. That I believe. So yeah, we could see a sign and trade with a guy like Elias Lindholm or a guy like Noah Hannafin. But I don't know if those are sign and trades that bring back immediate returns. I think those are things that bring back future returns. So in evaluating with the Calgary Flames 
have this summer in terms of their options. You might not like to say it. it might be a taboo word in the city of Calgary, at least for the Calgary Flames organization. But yeah, you're looking at some level of rebuild or retool, whether that is a short-term one, again, where you're looking at a one to two year, maybe you take a step back and wait for the cap to go up and you weaponize some of your future assets. You weaponize some of that cap space and try to become competitive again the season after the upcoming one. But for the short term, at least, you're looking at a lot of future assets. And to me, that signals a certain degree of rebuild. So let's say for sake, let's just say for sake of this conversation, the Flames, and I think they've got a real opportunity here because I think what we saw this past season with the departures of Kachuk and Gaudreau and like truly high-end talent, and that's not a knock on Huberdeau or Kadri or Lindholm or any of these other guys, but those were the two high-end players on the Flames. Those are the, the triple-point guys, right? Triple-digit point yep. guys. And I know Huberdeau had 115, and maybe he's back to 90s this year. That'd be awesome. But let's say for sake of this conversation that you trade Lindholm and you trade Hannafin and maybe one of the other names in this conversation. I think you've got a real opportunity to kickstart something that doesn't have to be a six or seven year Buffalo Sabre type situation where it's like, when are they ever going to get back to the playoffs? And it seems like the Sabres are close and give them credit, but they were wandering around and to, to steal Jay Feaster's term, they were wandering in the desert for a long time trying to figure out what the hell they were. And finally, it feels like Kevin Adams has got them a succinct real plan that is bearing fruit. But I think you've got an opportunity here to make a couple of moves that might lead to two or three years of them not being as competitive as the hope had been the last number of years, but also puts you in a spot where you can be pretty darn good at the end of that two to three years. You trade Lindholm for a first round pick, whether it's this year, next year, whatever. You trade Lindholm for a first and a prospect. And maybe a younger, you know, maybe an NHLer to help the roster size of things. But you trade Lindholm for a really good prospect in a first-round pick. You trade Hannafin for a really good prospect in a first-round pick. All of a sudden, now you're starting to talk. Now you're cooking. And with some of the younger players like Matt Coronado and Jacob Pelche coming up, you know, maybe you're starting to maybe you're starting to put yourself on track, and then you have other trades that you can make in season, whether it's Zadorov or Tanev or and now I, I just I think you've got an opportunity to kickstart something and get yourself in a spot where you're not waiting what feels like millennia, and instead you're kind of yes, it's a rebuild or a retool or whatever, but it's more done on the fly and isn't a complete and utter teardown, which I don't think the Flames are interested in to begin with. So I just, I feel like there's an opportunity here for them if they're forced into some of these moves. I'm going to push back on you a little bit on How the returns. Because if you're moving, let's just say hypothetically, if it's three guys and you're getting three first round picks as part of the packaging, I'm not going to get into, you know, throwing in a second and a prospect and so on and so forth. But you're going to be dealing with teams by and large that are already competitive, I think. I don't meaning, know. I don't meaning, know if you are. I I think if well, if it's a situation where you're doing a sign and trade, a lot of these guys are going to want to go to places that they can be competitive and they can challenge for a Stanley Cup. And if that's the case, you're looking at picks somewhere between 18 and 32, which are going to take 
Probably minimum to, three who's years. Who's to say that you are looking at a sign and trade? There's no guarantee of that. Well, even still, I don't know. I don't know if there's a Columbus Blue Jackets, for example, aren't going to cough up a, a high first round pick for Elias Lindholm. That was the rumor that was floated around. I'm not specifically well, saying they're not the three, gonna give, they're not but saying give next up the year's. Three, but no, I'm saying I next year, them, I don't. I don't see them giving up an, an eighth overall for it. Well, who knows? They would lottery protect any team that's going to do acquire is going to lottery protect top ten I on still, a day like that. I still think that you could because of his contract. I think there would absolutely be teams that are willing to take the risk. I don't think there not, are anymore. I think you see so many conditional first rounders go up that are top ten protected. No, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm, I agree on the lottery okay, protection. Okay. I just think there'd be a team that would be willing to bring Lindholm in okay. without a sign in. That, That's okay. That that I can buy. If I'm the Calgary Flames and I want this timeline to be shorter. I put more of an emphasis on players that are already drafted and already in these teams' organizations that are maybe one year away from competing or maybe that they're in a situation where they can be spot auditioned throughout the year and less emphasis on just gathering first-round picks. If I'm trying to be sure. Now, again, the different strategy is acquire as many firsts as you can and then flip those firsts for assets that'll help you be competitive as well. There's so many different ways to go about this if you're Craig Conroy and the Calgary Flames. And I'll be so curious to see what the returns are if and when these players are dealt, whether it's... Noah Hannafin, Hannafin and Lindholm, Hannafin, Lindholm to Foley, Hannafin, Lindholm to Foley and Backlund, Sprinkle and Tanev in there. I'm so curious to see what the desired return is for the Calgary Flames. If it is a hockey trade, but if a hockey trade isn't there, what are they valuing in these deals? Is it going to be the prospects that are drafted in the 2020 class, 2021 class, 2022 class right. versus those first round picks? Because the 2024 pick is automatically already a year behind. Right. You're already 11 months behind even putting a face to that pick. So do you put a premium on prospects that are already drafted that have a little bit of development runway under them, that you have a little bit better understanding of what their trajectory is as a NHL pro, or if you just gather assets and use those assets down the road to flip back into regular let me just Let me just throw a couple of things out there that I think would speak to potential re... re uh, I'm trying not to use the word rebuild because everybody gets so mad, but okay, rebuild on the fly. So I'm I'm just I went and I pulled up the draft order because I don't have it memorized yet. But 15th overall is Nashville, right? Nashville's got a ton of cap space, and they're a team that I don't know what I don't know what the hell they're thinking. But if Barry Trotz New now, GM, yeah, if Barry Trotz is like, no, no, I I think Lindholm really helps us. Is Nashville, and maybe Nashville's a bad example because maybe they are going in a different, I'm just saying for sake of this conversation, yep. hypothetically, Nashville's like, hey, we really see Lindholm as a guy that can help us. We think we've got a chance at re-signing him, but we don't know for sure. We don't need that to be on the books when we acquire him. 15th overall pick and, uh, I don't know, a decent prospect. Tomasino or somebody like that. All of a sudden, I think you're cooking, right? Or Detroit. Detroit's got multiple picks. They've got 8 and 17. Detroit absolutely is looking to get better. Yep. Detroit looks at Lindholm and says, hey, we think we've got a chance at re-signing him with our young players. You know, Moritz Sider and, you know, there's a couple Swedes and the Red Wings have done okay with Swedes in their history. Oh, you know what? We look at Lindholm. We think that he could be a huge huge part of our team. Now you're looking at Larkin and Lindholm as your one-two punch. Plus you've got Lucas Raymond and Moritz Sider and all these young players coming up. They're willing to make a trade. We've rebuilt long enough. We're willing to give up number 17 overall and a prospect to, to bring Lindholm in. Like these are the types of deals that I think can kickstart you into a rebuild that doesn't have to take 
seven or eight years. I would think that's 100% faster for the Calgary Flames, but with the Flames not setting a deadline on Elias Lindholm, I'm not necessarily sure that that's a route that they'll go. I just don't know the draft order for 2024, right? No, well, nobody does. Exactly. If you do, put some money down on it because you're going to be rich. But if you're looking to teams that hypothetically could be in that middle range, and the Calgary Flames are 16, so the Calgary Flames themselves are in that middle range as it stands after the 2022-2023 season. If you don't know what you are, how willing should you be? Intellectual honesty, there's another Jay Feasterism. Should you be sacrificing a first-round pick when you don't know you're a for-sure playoff team Mm -hmm. to bring in a guy you might only have for 82 games? So from an asset management point of view, this is where it starts to get tricky and murky. And then on the flip side, if you're the Calgary Flames, can you maximize your return by getting a list of five or six teams from a guy like Elias Lindholm, letting him orchestrate a sign-and-trade deal? I'll re-up, get that eighth year under that contract, maximize his money. Do you get more in exchange in that trade because you're giving basically nine years of Elias Lindholm now, not just one? So there's lots of wrinkles. There's a lot of minutiae here. If you're the Calgary Flames, and even if you're Elias Lindholm trying to pick your next destination, that makes this so... Sports, watching hockey, I've always said, hockey or sports in general, best reality show. Well, now we're getting to the offseason. We're not seeing anything on the ice. There's so many factors that you can roll into what's going on in the offseason that we're basically watching a drama right now unfold, and the Calgary Flames are are the main character. ever? It's fun, though. Sports are fun. This is fun. fun. Yes. Might be stressful for some. I think for many, this is also very stressful because you got to get these trades right. Right. And that's the other thing is that I think if you're, if you don't do something at the draft, I I don't think anybody, first of all, will be surprised if they make a deal at this year's draft or more. Right. I don't think anybody is going to be surprised by that. But if they don't do everything next week, and Lindholm still gets traded, but doesn't get traded until like late July, and it doesn't involve a first-round pick for 2023, I still think that you can kickstart a rebuild. And I think that that's, I think just the situation that they're in, we don't know if Lindholm's going to resign, but they might have to trade him. We don't know if Backlund's going to resign, but they might have to trade him. We don't think Toffoli or uh, Hannafin are going to resign, so they're going to have to trade those guys at some point. But it doesn't all have to be done at this year's draft. I was just throwing those examples out there because that's where we we know what the draft order is going to look like. Why don't we just make this real simple? Let's go find the next Neuendijk for a Ginla deal. Deal Lindholm for one prospect. Let that spiral out. Let him develop, and boom, you've got your replacement number one center in three or four years. No? Okay. Not, not, maybe maybe I mean, that I, doesn't work that way, but... It mostly doesn't. It usually doesn't go that way, but it did once, so hey, why not? Uh, Vickers Steinberg with you on this hour of Flames Talk. Flames Talk mailbag coming your way in just minutes. Get your text in at 960-960 if you're listening live. Put your name on the text. We'll get to as many as we can on the mailbag. Right now, we're coming at you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Worried about radon? They install custom mitigation systems to reduce your risk. To find out more, visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate. You're locked on Flames Talk, only on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, Flames Talk mailbag time. Let's dive in. What better day to do it than this Thursday? Steinberg and Vickers 
960 if you are listening live. If not, sit back and enjoy on Apple, Spotify, Google, and Amazon. Uh, okay. This from uh, RJ Stuck Behind a Train. We'll get to as many of these as we can. RJ, I'm sorry. Are you in the Southeast Industrial Park? Are you on... Uh, on 11th Street, trying to get to 9th Ave. There's lots of places you can get stuck. He's on the Highfield. traffic circle at Highfield Crescent. I know it oh, right now. A, oh, the worst. Yep. I don't know. Watch you out ever, for yielding have vehicles Have you ever been coming too. off 9th Ave onto 11th Street and trying to uh, get onto the other side of downtown into the Beltline? There's a crossing there that can be a pain in the behind. I know because I live there. Anyway, um, this from RJ stuck behind a train. Since all these core guys are seemingly wanting out of Calgary, does this change your mind on what they should do with Markstrom? One year removed from him being a Vesda nominee, and if they do have a couple rough years on the ice, that doesn't make his trade value any higher two years from now. If you're talking about cleaning house and getting assets back, in my opinion, he can't be overlooked either. Curious your thoughts. Um, I mean, look, if, if you're going to go down the road where you are okay making some of these deals, I think that takes pretty much everybody, especially on a veteran side of things, over the age of like 28 I don't know if there are untouchables anymore. So the problem with Markstrom that I see is that you can still have a lot of value as a goalie, even if the team in front of you isn't great, because there are plenty of goalies that have good look and save percentages on bad teams that can. So I still think Markstrom, whether they're a, a, a team that isn't as good next year or not, I still think Markstrom can get you value if he's able to bounce back. I just, I don't think his value's ever been lower than what it is right now in health. If you wait a year from now, he even if he doesn't have a massive bounce back, now you're talking about two years left on his deal. And, you know, the no-move clause, especially if they are rebuilding, again, full-on rebuilding, probably not. But if they're willing to take a step back a little bit on the ice for a few years, maybe Markstrom's more willing to move the no-move clause than, than he would have been. But right now you're talking about three years at six. It's more palatable at two years at six. I guess what I'm saying is, I still don't love the idea of moving Markstrom this summer because I I worry about getting lower value than you should on a guy that I think has a strong chance, decent chance of bouncing back. So I still am not in the unload Markstrom side of things as it stands right now. And again, if you are looking to take a step back, cap space is less of a thing anyway. Let me test your memory on this because wasn't one of the narratives when he signed from the Vancouver Canucks, how is Jacob Marshram going to cope with a lighter workload? How is he going to go from facing 32 to 35 shots as a Vancouver Canuck to 25 as a member of the Calgary Flames? That was a real question kind of posed. How is he going to adapt? Because he was lights out when he was busy, but historically it looked like he wasn't as good when he wasn't as active in his crease. Well, if the Calgary Flames take a step back in terms of the skill level they're putting on the ice, chances are it's going to put a little bit more weight on the goaltending position, and that'll be a scenario where Jacob Markstrom will have a real legit chance at bouncing back. He'll be at the forefront of a lot of the defensive elements of the Calgary Flames that he'll become the backbone. For better or worse, he's going to get a shot at bouncing back if the Calgary Flames are putting a less competitive team on the ice. In saying that, he did have nine shutouts and was the Vesna Trophy runner-up in a year. I'm saying the narrative the, the narrative was yes, when he joined the Calgary absolutely. Flames. He how was are a you very good, go high-volume goalie. How are you going to go from a porous Vancouver Canucks defense to a stingy Calgary Flames defense when yep. it's 
historically you've been better the more shots you face. Uh, this from Kyle in Lethbridge. I keep going back to the Rangers as a dance partner. Lafreniere makes sense with Huberto here, and maybe they can get some life out of Lafreniere. Rangers need to upgrade after the playoffs. Lindholm on a cheap one-year deal makes sense in, up, in an upgrade. Yeah, I, I think that there is absolutely the Rangers going after a Lindholm, and they're probably less uh, inclined on a Hannafin because they're pretty well stocked yeah, on the back. Yeah, they're fine back there. But and again, they've got some good forwards up front, but Lindholm would be a nice little upgrade for them. And I and the Rangers have a pick in the first round of this year's draft. It's very clear that Chris Drury is not interested in doing anything but looking for a Stanley Cup. They are in a window with some of their guys, specifically Adam Fox and Shesterkin. It's like, okay. Mika Zibanejad. Zibanejad. Yeah, like the, this is a team that can win now. Rangers hold the 23rd overall selection in this year's draft. Yeah, I think that's uh, I. I could have, whether Lafreniere, or Kako are part of a return for the Flames or not. I am the Rangers could be an interesting dance partner for Calgary for sure. New York Rangers aren't too thrilled with the fact that they were done after seven games in the Stanley Cup playoffs to the point where they fired head coach Gerard Gallant. They are demanding win now. You don't fire your coach after getting bounced in the first round if you don't have bigger expectations than just bowing out in a seven-game series to open the Stanley Cup playoffs. They are a team that could make legitimate moves. They're going to have some space open up, at least some roster space, because Tarasenko, unrestricted free agent. Patrick Kane, who's undergoing surgery, unrestricted free agent. I'm curious to see what they do, how they navigate the offseason, because the New York Rangers are Mm -hmm. a team that might want to make a bit of noise. Um, this says with all these players wanting out, do you think anyone in the top 10 of this year's draft would be in on any of these players? If you trade them as a package, uh, the Columbus GM was on the Merrick show earlier this week saying he's always open to listing new offers, but didn't think there was anything out there to sell the number three pick that comes from Tim. Yeah. I don't think Columbus's third overall pick is necessarily something that we'd see move, but in, in the top 10, you know, St. Louis picks 10th, Detroit picks ninth, Washington, Washington, eighth. So those are all three teams that, yes, again, I could absolutely see being potential dance partners on some of these players. And and not just Lindholm, but for talking Hannafin to Foley, Backland. Yeah, I could I could see those three teams. Now, I would bet you if Detroit's looking to make an addition this year, they'd be more willing to trade their other first-round pick, which is the 17th 17. overall pick. But they do hold the ninth overall pick as well, so. That's something to keep an eye on. Any team that has multiple first-round picks, keep an eye on whether they're moving assets for Calgary Flames players, whether they're packaging together to move up earlier in the first round. Those are the movers and shakers of the NHL draft, at least on day one. Uh, This comes from Stephen Cochran. Can you see a scenario where the Flames package some of these guys like Lindholm to Foley to a team to get a Brinks truck haul in return? Do I think a package deal is out of the question? No. I mean, hey. Lindholm and Hannafin have played with each other their entire NHL careers. Am I anticipating that? Not as much. I think that both Lindholm and Hannafin have put themselves in a position where it's going to cost enough to get one of them, let alone a package type deal, but I wouldn't completely write it off. I mean, crazier things have happened, but if you look at just the general ask, if you're making a futures trade, you're looking at for each player. And again, your mileage may vary on the returns, but you're looking at a first, a blue chip prospect, and maybe a second or a third round pick. So if you're asking a team to absorb both of that asking cost, that's a massive hit to the future of whatever your trade partner is. That's a big risk for them to take on, particularly knowing 
I mean, as it stands right now, knowing that both those guys could walk to unrestricted free agency in a year. And, and look, I, I, I think Hannafin, just to, to reiterate, I think Hannafin and Toffoli are the ones that are most likely to get dealt here because they have both, as we believe it, informed the team that re-signing beyond the coming year is not going to happen. So Hannafin, Toffoli, whether it's before the draft, at the draft, whatever, or after, I, I think they are the ones that power rankings-wise are most likely to be dealt this summer. I still think that there's a door open for Lindholm to return. I believe the Flames have got a competitive offer. I've heard anywhere between eight and a half to nine uh, as, as the type of AAV that might be on the table. So I still think the door is open for Lindholm. Even Chris Johnston reporting on, on his show that the door, or was it either his show, his podcast, or on uh, Insider Trading on the Three Letter Network, um, TSN, he, he said that there is still, he doesn't believe the door, the door is closed on Lindholm. So, and, and I believe the flames are still chatting with the Lindholm camp. I think the same is true on the backland front. It's kind of believed that maybe backland is still taking a wait and see approach on this front. So I still think there are doors open for some to return. I just wanted to reiterate that as we move through some of these mailbag questions. And, and in the words of Dion Phaneuf, it's not canceled till it's canceled. So you should have given me more time to get that ready because now I have to go Load the folder and it. My apologies. It's seconds. it's it's a courtesy. I didn't extend you. I didn't think this was going to turn into a thirty-five second bit at this point. But hey, look at us. Yeah, here we are. Um, now I'm just waiting to uh, get this going. Oh, I didn't even stall long enough on that front. No, it takes a while because it's a folder that's got a lot. See, of See, for stuff a throwaway for a throwaway comment for me, I don't know if all this pre-planning was worth it. Well, that's why you need to pre-plan it because then it's ready to go. The things you learn working with Pat Steinberg. Comedic timing is what we're all about here at uh, Flames Talk. Uh, you mean uh, Dion Fidoff's comment when we uh, caught up with him just minutes ago? I- I'm optimistic because until it's canceled, it's not canceled. Oh, he's optimistic. Okay, Dion's optimistic. Anything else to add, Dion? Right now, I'm focused on on playing oh. playing hockey and I thought and keeping be- keeping on going in the right direction with the, with the our team, team here. We uh, first and foremost, that's what that's what I'm focused on and. The other stuff, uh, that will take care of itself. Thanks, Dion. Uh, Look, even during all this turmoil, we can still add a little levity with our stupid jokes that only about 12% of our listening audience live or on podcast even. Hey, we're here for those 12%. (laughs) We do the show for ourselves. This from Noah. What would your rebuild pitch be to Murray? I really liked yours. We talked about this off the air uh, just quickly. I really liked your rebuild pitch. Do you want to steal it? You can no, have no, it. No, no, no. I want, I want you to do it because it was yours. My pitch is if you want a full building when it opens up in four to five, six, however many years it takes. A full building with a really good team. You want a full team. building with a really competitive team. You got to start now. That's the pitch. That's the elevator pitch. It doesn't go any longer than that for me. I like that. I quite like that. Uh, what else we got here? Uh, this from Andrew in Charleswood. Good neighborhood. Uh, majority of big difference makers historically are found in the top half of the first round. If this draft really is as high end as people say, do whatever's needed to get those picks for this year, i.e. using other assets added to the big free agents. Buffalo, Pittsburgh, St. Louis, Nashville picks seem available for what the Flames are offering. Then have a look at the prospect covered. And yeah, I think those are all interesting teams. You know, I think th- there's there's two teams that I think are most interesting to me um, because on the one hand, they've got multiple picks in the first round. And on the other hand, they're a team that's been waiting to, both teams have been building to be better and are now kind of at the phase where it's like, okay, 
enough already. Let's get back to the playoffs. And those are Detroit and Buffalo. Detroit's got 9 and 17, and Buffalo's got 13. Those are all really interesting-looking picks for me if we're talking about any of these names. See, I'm also kind of curious about the direction of Nashville with the new general manager. And, yes, Nashville, who we threw out earlier this hour, is in there, too. Nashville's got, what, 15 and 24. Could you imagine a scenario, and I'm just going to throw to it because it's hilarious, but the Calgary Flames somehow make these moves on draft day and end up with 15, 16, and 17, similar to the Boston Bruins a few years ago, who landed on Jake DeBrusque, missed on... Jacob Zaboral, I believe it was, and Zach Sinishin? Was that the other yep, pick Zach of the Sinishin, three? I believe it was, yep. So, I mean, it didn't work out for the Boston Bruins. I'm not I'm not just saying, hey, roll it back, and hopefully the Calgary Flames can match that level of efficiency. But, hey, if you ever had three picks in a row, this is the draft to have it. Agreed. And, I mean, look, I'm mean, not saying that's going to happen. I just, there are some teams that, that you wonder about, that, yeah. That you could... I think, potentially uh, look at. This from Randy in Calgary. Guys, I'm glad the Flames have a guy like Aginla in the fold who's been through this from a high-end player perspective and will likely be a realist for the team. Also, thanks to Toffoli for not wanting to re-sign. Sell high on him. I wouldn't have been comfortable with anything more than a two-year extension, which he likely wouldn't have taken. It's so interesting on the Toffoli front because of the guys that we asked on Locker Cleanout Day, I would say to Foley of the of the guys who are entering final years. I think the guys that are pending UFAs right now, Stetcher was the most like, yeah, I'd love to come back. Mm-hmm. But of the guys who have one year left, it was Toffoli and Zadorov that were the two most like, yeah, uh, staying is something I'm open to because Toffoli talked about, hey, I already talked to Tree earlier today. I loved it here and we'll see what happens and I'd be open to re-signing. And, and Zadorov said he'd like to be a flame for life. So those are the two that were maybe the most optimistic about returning. Now, since that time, Daryl Sutter gone, Brad Living gone, and a bunch of players maybe not re-signing. So very, very clearly in the span of two months, Toffoli could have changed his mind and he'd understand why. Just a parlay on that thought, though. Weren't those two the most complimentary of Daryl as well? Am I remembering that right? Am I just sure. doing revisionist nope. history? I think that's fairly... I mean, Toffoli has been quoted multiple times right. as being quite complimentary of Daryl. So I wonder... Does that change the perspective a little bit? Could very well. So on and so forth. But you're right. If you roll it back to, what was it, April 15, 16, 17, somewhere in that week? I think April 13th was the last game. So April 15th, I believe, was the day. Okay. And then you, either April 15th or 17th. And then you roll through some of the guys that are unrestricted free agents next summer. And yeah, you mentioned Zadorov and Toffoli being amongst the group that's like, really enjoyed my time here. And then on the other end, you had Michael Backlund and Elias Lindholm being very noncommittal. Here we are. I'm still talking about them. Yep. What else we got in our mailbag? Get your questions in. I'm going through some of the ones that came in earlier right now. Uh, but you can still get them in at 960-960. Just put your name on the text. Um, this says uh, from Derek and Cochran. Not that Derek, the other one. Yeah, not Wilsey. Uh, this says, say, it seems to me there must be a big rift or something else going on in that dressing room amongst the players that's causing so many to want out has to be more than just the coach issue because that's been resolved and there still seems to be big concerns. So I think what we're talking about is a there's there's a multi-layered thing. I, I do think there was damage done with what happened this year. Even though Daryl Sutter is no longer with the team, uh, I do think the way that everything played out this year soured some on whether or not they want to return. I think that the fact that they went from one year being a team that's one of the best in the NHL to missing the playoffs and not even playing 82 meaningful games. I think that 
spooked some guys in terms of the direction of this team. And now you've got a general manager who has said that he's interested in getting more youth in the lineup. And I think now if you're a veteran player with one year left on your deal, you say, okay, this team might be ready to compete and be a really good team in a few years, but I want to win now. Yep. And so I think there is a little bit of that going on right now. So, yeah, I, I think they're all soured some guys. I absolutely do. Um, I do think there was a dysfunctional locker room this year, and I know it was a dysfunctional locker room this year. So I think that played into it for some of it, uh, for some of these guys. Again, I don't to what extent, I don't know. And then also the direction of the team. Like, for instance, I think for Michael Backlund, the number one thing right now is the direction of the team as to why he's wavering in terms of what he wants to do. Well, and then layer on the fact that if I'm a player in my late 20s, if I am literally in the top 0.5% of my industry and I'm one year away from being able to explore working anywhere I choose... It might not so much even be, I want out of Calgary. It's, hey, heads up. I want to explore. I want to see what's out there. I want to see how other teams value me. I want to know other places I could possibly live. Doesn't necessarily mean there's something sour in Calgary. It means they've earned the right to test those waters, to see what's out there, to see whether or not City X and Team X is interested in you and what Team Y and City Y have to offer both you and your spouse or your lifestyle away from the rink, so on and so forth. I would, to be perfectly honest, if I'm in their shoes, I would want to know exactly everything that I could have coming to me. So I'm going to read one text, and then it's, it, it speaks for a number of them. So if it's not yours, this counts as yours. And, and so there's a number of people who have put something in similar to this. Um, this says from Angus and Calgary, what do you think this could mean for the likes of Matthew Phillips, Connor Zary, and Jeremy Poirier? Is there a greater chance these guys will be on the roster next year? I, I think that all of this, regardless if all the guys were coming back or not, and you weren't looking at making deals, and you were looking to roll it back with a very similar team next year, I still think that there was a greater chance of having some of those guys fight for spots. Not all of them. I think Poirier still needs some significant yeah. seasoning in the American League. Hell, he even told us that when he joined us last week. Um, maybe not in those many words, but you know, I think that there is. It's fair to say that he needs some more seasoning on the defensive side of the game in the American League. But Zary, sure, Phillips, absolutely. absolutely. If there, this might even help Matthew Phillips, a Calgary kid, want to return. Um, because there could be more playing time. Zeri for sure. Pelche, Coronado, Wolf, absolutely. I think they're... And a number of those guys are the guys that we're talking about. You know, we talk about this whole idea of retooling or reloading or rebuilding on the fly. Well, Dustin Wolf and Jacob Pelche and Matt Coronado and maybe some of these other names are going to be really important to that. Connor Zeri, who all of a sudden, if Zeri pops and you're like, oh, man... This guy's looking like he could be an everyday NHL. That helps you. So all of these, all of these younger players that have had decent years over the last couple of years in the American League are part of the conversation too. Yeah, the MO is going to be get more youth injected into the lineup. If all of a sudden you're looking to fill two, three, four additional roster spots before having made that declaration, of course it's going to help their chances. Now, having said that, it's not a blanket statement across the board that everybody that's under the age of 24 or 25 on Stockton, or pardon me, on the Calgary Wranglers, are going to automatically be elevated. No, you've got to look at the prospect, where they are in their development, what they need in order to continue that development, because 
you hear a lot, the NHL is not a development league. Well, it can be at times. It can be for some youth at times. Not everybody that makes it to the NHL at 21, 22, 23 are finished product. You're continually developing, continually getting better, continually learning what the NHL is about, both on and off the ice. But certainly, if you have two, three, four roster spots you need to fill by way of futures trades this summer, it certainly heightens the opportunity for some of the guys that you think could be ready. Here's Chad and Bennington. Pat, what would you what would you get if you had it your way for those two in a trade? Who, what is on your wish list? I'm guessing you're talking about Hannafin and Lindholm, so that's what I'll I'll go with. Um, with like very few exceptions. A first-round pick doesn't have to be this year. That would be awesome if it's the right deal. But a first-round pick has to be part of the package for both Lindholm and Hannafin. Whether you're getting an NHL roster player back, too, or not, first-round pick, whether it's a full futures deal or not, a first-round pick has to be in the package for an Elias Lindholm trade if they move him. And inevitably, when they do move Hannafin, a first-round pick there, too. I think it's Almost non-negotiable. Now, again, there are exceptions. If you're getting a prospect that is so good that that counts as the first-round pick and the value that that would be, that would be a little bit different. But not a lot of those players are moving. So, yeah, to me, very few exceptions. I'd want a first-round pick in either of those deals. Uh, and That's just the start for me, yeah. That's, yeah, yeah that's, that's not the only thing I'd want right. back, but that would be part of the deal. You We're not talking if you're not pick. putting your first round exactly. pick on the table. Exactly. And on top of that, for me, you have to layer in a blue chip prospect. You have to layer in a player that's maybe one, two years max away from being in an NHLer. Doesn't have to be a full-time NHLer, but has to be scratching, you know, itching almost there on the cusp of being a full-time NHLer. And they've got to be a blue chip pedigree prospect for me. Yeah. Like, could you get one of Nashville's younger players, whether it's a, could you do a, First-round pick and Tomasino for Lindholm. I bet Lindholm would re-sign in Nashville. Who the hell wouldn't? No state tax. It's Nashville, Tennessee. So if if Lindholm's not going to re-sign here, we don't know yet. And again, Could you imagine if they made that splash, though, with the draft in their building, too? Like, cool. layer that in. That'd be pretty cool. But, like, first-round pick this year and Tomasino for Lindholm. I don't know if that gets it done. I'm just throwing this stuff out because we're having the conversations. But that's the type of deal that, yeah, I'd, I'd be interested in. So to me, a first-round pick plus has got to be in the convo for both Hannafin and Lindholm. Uh, I probably wouldn't be making a deal unless there is a first-round pick plus. I'm not going to lie. I would also need at least the identical package I paid on Tyler Toffoli at the trade deadline. I think, I mean, he was the leading scorer on the team last year. He's certainly still capable of scoring goals and producing points and, and bringing the elements that he does with the leadership and the 200-foot play. Well, I don't think fact, anything that's happened other than the calendars flipped over that would discourage a similar return the on The fact Tyler that he's, he's only got one year left on his deal, too, I think gives you a little bit more optimism that you could get something pretty solid in return for Toffoli. Really palatable contract, one year left on it. Yeah, he's 31, but you're not trading a guy with four years left on his deal. Right. Um, this says from Mike in Calgary, I think Conroy and the others can walk and chew gum at the same time. Each player trade will be different, but the cap space this will create will also allow cap-strapped teams that need to move players. It may not result in a Stanley Cup contender team for 23-24, but it can stock the cupboard with prospects and picks. And that's, I think that's really important from Mike. We've talked a lot about, yeah, the Flames are open to future-type deals here. I, I believe that to be true. 
but I don't think that means that every single deal that they end up making will look exactly the same. There's different types of deals that you can make all along the way. Well, and one deal could impact what you're looking for in a different deal as well. Like hypothetically, if you dealt Noah Hannafin for a top six winger, you might be looking at bringing in a different return for a guy like hypothetically Tyler Toffoli. Like the returns on certain deals might impact the type of deal you're trying to make on some of the other guys. Last one. Lots of great texts. We didn't get to yours. Apologies. It's the type of day where you're going to get lots of texts on a mailbag segment. Uh, this from Chris in Queensland. I've texted back. Are we talking about Queensland, Australia? I don't know. But uh, Chris in Queensland, with all of these guys on the last year of the deal, would it benefit the Flames to eat 50% of the salary for one year as that would open up more teams that could be interested and the return could be higher? Yes, yeah. 100%. No questions asked. If you need to eat X, whether it's 50%, 25%, 33%, if you need to eat money on a deal to make the return you're getting back better, all day, every day. Now, the good news is most of these guys, very palatable deals, but there are teams that are right up against the cap that could get creative and let's just for, throw Hannafin's name out there. You know, a two and a half million AAV with the Flames eating a good chunk of it for one year, easier to fit in, and that team might really want them, so is willing to pay. Yeah, I think the Flames absolutely should be willing to do that, especially with guys with one year left. Even a team that's not not right up against it, might want to maintain a little bit of that flexibility heading into the season and maybe keeping an eye and a focus on the trade deadline as well to make additional trades would pay an extra second round pick, third round pick, whatever the going rate is for two and a half million dollars for one season. They might want to maintain that flexibility so they're willing to pay. Whatever gets you the best return should be on the table for the Calgary Flames. That's how I'll put it. Aaron Vickers, Pat Steinberg, along with you on the program. That'll do it for this hour of Flames Talk. Thank you for all your great texts and questions on the mailbag. Great stuff. Uh, made it very easy for us. It's a, it's a very, very lazy segment to do, but today, of course, we're going to do that. There's so much news going on. This hour wrapping up, it has been the Sports Drive, which is brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Ask how a restricted key system can keep your business safe even through employee turnover. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com.